Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many needs their youth renewed? Yeah, eagles live a long time. Long life and length of days. The Bible talks about that. So praise the Lord. All right, I titled this message, Awake, Arise, and Shine, out of Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 4. We'll read that in a second. But I was, uh, as I always do on Sunday morning, I, I get up early, and uh, I just spend time in prayer, and I go over my message, and I just felt like the Lord was just dropping more and more stuff into my, into my heart, kind of like downloading, as it were. I'm like a computer. I'm AI, artificial. <laughs> Anyway, uh, just dropping things in my heart, and so I came to church, and I gave the extra stuff to uh, Sister Terry to to put into the message. So it's not in your outline, some of these extra things. It's not tons of stuff, but some of the extra things. And so we'll go through this, and I'm anticipating that I'll finish this message next uh, Sunday, Uh, so get some of it done today. You know, Dave put this pulpit but you know he didn't straighten it out and it's hard to find good help these days isn't it (laughs) hard to find good help anyway i hope you're enjoying the the american flags out there and uh is it possible to do the christian flag starting next sunday or is that too too big of an ass that is good because we got the christian flags so you know uh, our culture celebrated uh the month of june as gay pride month and i don't know about you but that that begins to aggravate me a little bit and uh, so i thought you know july 4th independence day america give us gives us one day to celebrate america and so i thought well let's celebrate uh freedom and liberty and the blessings of god and patriotism for the month of july so that's why we did all those flags and then next Sunday, we'll put up the Christian flag. I don't know if you realize it, but there is a Christian flag. The colors are red, white, and blue as well. Uh, the white symbolizes purity or righteousness. The blue, heaven. The cross is red, the red blood. So we believe in Jesus. He washes us whiter than snow, and he has a home in heaven planned for us. And there's a pledge of allegiance to the Christian flag. And uh, used to lead the children in this in our vacation Bible schools years ago. Uh, but it goes something like this. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Well, we realize we're dual citizens, aren't we? We're citizens of this great nation. And for those of you that aren't citizens, we welcome you to America. But we're citizens of this nation. And we're also citizens of heaven. And uh, I I read this and it just really hit home because it just uh, reflected my heart. Uh, This person said, in three words... In three words, define your political philosophy. 
in three words, just three words, define your political philosophy. And there's a lot of people trying to, in those three words, kind of define where they're at politically, their political philosophy or political bent or whatever. And uh, I saw this and I thought, you know what, that, that's perfect because that defines mine. And three words define your political philosophy. Want to hear, hear mine? Three words, my political f- philosophy. Jesus is Lord. That's it. That's my political philosophy. Jesus is Lord. He's the ultimate Lord. God is in control. God bless America. God is sovereign. God is king. He's our answer. And I vote according to my biblical values and according to my biblical worldview because Jesus is Lord. Somebody say amen to that. That's my political philosophy. We don't uh, trust in any political party or any political candidate. They're all flawed. You agree with that, don't you? But our trust is in the Lord. Therefore, my political philosophy is Jesus is Lord. Three words to define your political philosophy. What that has to do with the message, I'm not exactly sure, but we'll get right to it here. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 4. Arise and shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Somebody say amen to that passage of Scripture. You know, ultimately, you know, trying to rightly divide the word of truth, ultimately, I believe that this is a millennial promise when Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. Uh, I think that's the ultimate fulfillment of this passage of Scripture. But also, the Apostle Paul uh, basically takes what is said here and applies it to us believers in the church, in our culture here today. But I want to talk about two cultures. You see right here, two cultures, light and darkness. I mean, it starts out great. Arise and shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Well, what could go wrong, right? What could go wrong? And then, so that's one. God is moving, God is shining, God is at work, and God is saving, Jesus is glorified, sons and daughters are coming, Gentiles are coming, I mean, this is just great, I mean, if I look at that, I'm, I'm thinking restoration, revival, reformation, renewal, everything we want, everything we pray for, I see that right there in Isaiah 60, don't you? But look at the opposite, Arise and shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. So the two cultures, we see that in America, don't we? Light and darkness. Light, the glory of the Lord, darkness, and deep darkness. Deep darkness. I want to talk about the good and the bad, you know. Uh, God is moving and Satan is moving. Uh, Light to dark. I I just want to talk about that. The second culture I see is one of sin and grace. 
sin and grace. Moreover, it tells us in Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where, listen to this, sin abounds, grace abounds much more. There we've got the two cultures. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal uh, life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin abounding, grace abounding. Sin, uh, I mean, it seems like darkness and deep darkness is there. And uh, sin seems to be abounding, doesn't it? Sin seems to be abounding. But in the midst of darkness and what the Bible even says, deep darkness, we also see the grace of God, the light. When the Bible says that your light has come, who is the light of the world? Ultimately, I am the light of the world. Who said that? Jesus. Your light has come. Jesus has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The glory of God is the person of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is the miraculous power of God displayed. The glory of God, right? That all speaks about that. So we see darkness and deep darkness and the light. Jesus has come. We're saved. We're experiencing the miraculous power and move of Almighty God, the glory of God in our lives. I trust in our families because the promise there is that your sons and daughters shall come back, right? Your sons and daughters. So we see it at work in nations and families and cultures. Sin is abounding. But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Now, obviously, that could be in, in your heart where sin abounded before you met Jesus, and all of a sudden the grace of God came, and now the grace of God is, a, is abounding. You were bound in sin before you met Jesus, but now through the grace of God, righteousness is in your life. That's wonderful. It can happen in you. It can happen in your family. It can happen amongst people where sin abounds. And at the same time, sin is abounding. All of a sudden, the grace of God starts abounding. All of a sudden, people start getting saved. All of a sudden, people start turning to Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Two cultures, light and darkness, sin and grace. How about this one? Shaking and pouring. Shaking and pouring. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 is talking about shaking. And the shaking is the judgment of God. And it's talking about how God in the past shook and, of course, that goes way back to Mount Sinai when the children of Israel were at Mount Sinai and, and God was giving them the law and uh, thunder and lightning and earthquakes, all that shaking and warnings. Don't touch the mountain. Don't come near. You'll be put to death. A lot of shaking, right? Well, listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 12. Whose voice then shook the earth? That's talking about Mount Sinai. You can read about that in the book of Exodus. But now he has promised now. This is the last times. This is during the age of grace. But now he has promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also 
heaven. The writer there, the book of Hebrews says, just as God shook the earth uh, with judgment, even so in, in the days to come, he's going to be shaking. And this shaking is going to be a lot more extensive than it was back then. That was limited at a time to Mount Sinai, to the people of God. And now heaven and earth is going to be shaken. God's coming in the last days. He's coming in judgment and everything that's not rooted and founded in the rock, Jesus Christ. Christ, all those things are going to be shaken by the judgment of God. And the only thing that's going to stand during the time of God's judgment are those that are founded on Jesus Christ. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Only things that are found remaining in him will remain and stand during that great shaking time. Shaking, shaking. We need to make sure we're in Jesus. Faith is strong because God is dealing. Foundations are being shaken. Darkness and deep darkness. Sin is abounding. Where's our faith? Where's our trust? It needs to be in Jesus. So we got shaking and we also have pouring. In the last days, the last times, the Bible says he's going to shake heaven and earth, and only those things found in Jesus will remain, and everything else is coming under judgment. Hmm. But listen, what it also says in the last days, Joel 2.28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Oh, that's the last days, right? That's our time. Last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. I love that. Here I am, Lord. Pour it out. We see shaking, judgment, darkness, but we also see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the light of God, the glory of God, abounding grace of God. Whose side are you on? Whose side am I on? Whose side are we on? I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the winning team. Amen? Hallelujah. So we got shaking and we got pouring. And he pours out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters. I love that. Sons and daughters. The Bible says your sons and daughters shall prophesy. To prophesy is to be used in the gifts to speak an anointed utterance. It's different than the gift of tongues because the prophecy is the anointed utterance in a language that we all understand. Tongues and interpretation of tongues basically equals prophecy. Because that interpretation of tongues interprets in a language we all understand what the Lord is saying. So to prophesy in our language, the Bible says a, a man and a woman can do that. Sons and daughters can speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit used by Almighty God to bring the word of the Lord to us. I say yes and amen to that. Yes and amen. Shaking and pouring. Just as God is judging, 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 judging for this cause, the Bible says he gives them up, he gives them over to this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. That's Romans chapter 1. Judging, judging, judging. But you also see pouring out, saving the glory of God, the light of God. I want to make sure I'm on the right side in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. 
So we have light and darkness, sin and grace, shaking and pouring. How about repenting and rejecting? Repenting. There'll be people that will be rejecting, rejecting, rejecting God. In the midst of all that, there'll be people that will be repenting, 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 coming to Jesus. I pulled this out of Matthew chapter 24. It can kind of make you a little schizophrenic, can it? Oh my gosh, you know, that's such darkness. And did you see God is moving? God is, oh my gosh, I can't believe the, the way the culture is going and uh, sin is being so celebrated. And at the same time, oh, look what the Lord is doing. It, it, you know, both is happening. Do you believe that both can happen at the same time? Well, the Bible teaches that. So we have repenting and rejecting out of Matthew 24. And because lawlessness, another way of saying wickedness, you know, lawlessness is not just breaking the laws of the land. It's the law of God. So people reject the law of God or the word of the Lord. That's also lawlessness. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so we see two cultures, lawlessness abounding, the love of many growing cold, but we also see the gospel of the kingdom advancing, the others are enduring in the midst of all this, and then we also see the grand and glorious return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So what do we need to do? We need to be busy advancing the kingdom of God. We need to be enduring and persevering in these challenging times. We don't want to be like those that are rejecting God, but those that are repenting and receiving Christ and being busy about what God's called us to do. Amen? So we have light and darkness, sin and grace, shaking and pouring, repenting and rejecting. How about this one? Ready and not ready? Ready and not ready? Are you ready? You ready? Ready for the Lord's return? Are you ready? Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 and 6, 4 to 6. Uh, let me talk about this. Uh, you know, the, the coming of the Lord, I believe, is in two, two parts. The coming of the Lord, his first part of his coming is for his church. The second part is to judge this world. The rapture of the church, First Thessalonians chapter 4, and then the coming of the Lord in judgment to this earth, Revelation chapter 19. And the Bible says that the coming of the Lord is like a thief in the night, and no one knows the day and the hour, and he'll come unexpectedly. So the Bible teaches that, but the Bible also says that we're children of the day, that, that uh, we know the times and seasons, so it doesn't catch us unaware. And so it's kind of like Two things happening. He's coming. I know he's coming. This is the last days. His, his coming is approaching. The times and seasons we see, everything is being set up for the Lord's soon return. I sense that. I know that because of Scripture. I sense that in my spirit. I'm living a life of readiness for the Lord's return. And at the same time, I'm not sure when he's coming. He's going to come like a thief in the night at an hour maybe that I, I'm not sure of. I, I don't know. I can't date set. It might take me by surprise, but at the same time, it's not taking me by surprise because I know it's happening. That's kind of the thinking here, all right, as we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 to 6. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. You, brethren, so Paul's talking to brethren. He's talking to the church and 
Thessalonica. And he says, you brethren, so Christians, you Christians, you believers are not in darkness so that this day, the coming of the Lord, should overtake you as a thief. You're all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So we have two cultures, ready, not ready, or awake and asleep. Awake and asleep. Let us not, as the scripture says, sleep as others do. Bible tells us as Christians to wake up. That's what it says. Wake up. It tells us that so many times. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And then the Bible warns us. Don't fall asleep. The whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one, the Scripture says. They're asleep to the coming of the Lord. They're eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. They don't have a clue. It's like the days of Noah when the when the rain started to fall. They're all thinking, what's this? But Noah, the righteous one, knew this is judgment, promised judgment. Or Lot living in Sodom, the angels go and delivering them and the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah had no clue that God was going to rain fire and brimstone. So it is for the believer, we know, we understand Jesus is coming. Our eyes are open. We're sober. That means we have a serious mind about these things. We understand the warnings. We understand the nearness of time. We understand the need to shine our light, to live victorious, to live in a state of readiness. But the Bible says uh, wickedness or lawlessness will abound in the love of many. The love of many will just grow cold. And when you grow cold and deep darkness comes, what happens? You fall asleep. And I say, wake up. Wake up. Some will be ready. Some are not ready. Live your life so that you are ready. Even if, they, even if it happens right now. Yo, I wasn't expecting it right now. But even if it happens right now, when you stand before him, you are not ashamed at his coming because you're living a life of holiness, readiness, purity, surrender, following Jesus. Come on, people. Give me a witness. Ready, not Ready. How about this one? False and true. False and true. Just going to draw your attention. Not going to read it, but the parable of the wheat and tares. The field is the world. The one that sowed the tares is the devil. God has the good, uh, good seed in the ground. The wheat and the wheat and tares grow up together. They look identical until it's time to bear the proper fruit. This describes, really, the activity of Satan sowing into this world false Christs, false teachers, false believers. False Christs, false teachers, false believers. So that deception comes. False and true. False and true. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves whether or not we're in the faith, right? 
Make sure you are really saved. I just uh, did, a, did a couple more of, uh, that's a great question that I'm posting on Facebook, the church Facebook page. And one of the questions that are asked to me a lot through the years is this one, how do you really know you're saved? Because the Bible says, put on that helmet of salvation, because the devil loves to attack your salvation and bring you into denial and uh, confusion and doubt concerning it. And, uh, but I want you also to know that the devil can give you a false hope and a false assurance, and you need to really know that you're saved. And, and how do you really know you're saved? Well, have you called on the name of the Lord to be saved? Because whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Bible says. And if you've never done that, call on jesus save me that's really prayer a a calling out to god oh god i i need you to save me to forgive me do you have the inner witness of the spirit whereby you cry out abba father like the romans 8 chapter said romans 8 says he gives us his spirit and his spirit bears witness with our spirit there's an inner witness of the holy spirit in your life and the holy spirit is giving you that 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 knowledge that assurance that you truly are a child of god do you have that if you have not the spirit of christ the bible says you're none of his romans chapter 8 verse 9 says that do you have a transformed life since you quote have called on the name of the lord and profess christ as your savior or have has your life really been unchanged By their fruits you shall know them. And no fruit, no real root in Christ, no real salvation. Well, you know, I did that, but nothing really happened. Well, then you need to do it again. That's the message. Examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the the faith. Prove yourselves. Is Christ really in you? Uh, Peter says, make your calling and election sure. Make sure you have uh, with your faith all those virtues that he mentions there in the book of Peter. Make your calling. And how do you make your calling election sure? By making sure you have the fruit of the Spirit or the transformed life that comes by truly being saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord? Is the Spirit of God within you? Is your life transformed? These are so very important questions, aren't they? Do you have the fellowship of the believers? The Bible says we have fellowship one with another if we've been cleansed. Is there fellowship there? You should love being around believers. You should have that sense of quickening, right? And, uh, you know, there's one final one. I think this is important. Have you ever publicly testified that Jesus has saved you? That's what water baptism is all about. That's what we're doing. We're baptizing. And I I always think it's strange when somebody truly gives their heart to Jesus and, and you say, well, would you like to publicly testify of your faith? No, don't want to do that. What? 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 The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, there needs to be a public confession. That should be within you. Within you. That when you get saved, I need to tell somebody that Jesus is Lord. I need to be water baptized to publicly declare, He's brought me from death to life. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Heavenly Father. Now, you don't confess Jesus to get saved, but if you are saved, you will want to confess, and then it becomes evidence of a genuine salvation. Amen? Amen. Wheat and tares. 
In the world, there are false Christs. In the world, there are false teachers. In the world, there are false believers, people that say they're saved, and they're not really bearing any fruit. They're tares, right? They might look just like the wheat or the true, the genuine, but they don't have the proper fruit. And if the devil is sowing those false Christs, false teachers, false believers in this world, because the field is the world, according, well, they'll be in the church. They'll be in the church. And what do I mean by that? Sitting in the sanctuary today, there very well might be somebody that has professed Christ, but it's not really genuine. It's not really genuine. Now, I don't know. God looks at the heart. God knows the heart. I certainly don't. But I do know this as a preacher of the gospel. I want you to make sure you're genuinely saved. You need to make sure you're saved. Is Christ in your heart? Do you have his spirit? Is your life transformed? Right? Do you love the brethren? Are you following Jesus? I mean, these are marks of a genuine salvation. None of these things save you. But if you have these things, they accompany genuine salvation. So we got these cultures Two cultures, false and true, ready, not ready, repenting, rejecting, shaking and pouring, sin and grace, light and heart uh, and darkness. Let me, I'll answer this question. Perhaps I'll have to conclude with this. What happens when there is what the Bible calls in Isaiah chapter 60, deep darkness? What happens? Deep darkness. You know, I've talked to people that work third shift, then they, then they have to try to fall asleep in broad daylight. And they, they darken the window and they put on, you know, maybe a, a, a thing over their eyes like I do when I'm flying long distance on, on a plane. You know, you put, what are those things called? Sleeping mask, yeah. Take a, take a sleeping pill, put on a sleeping mask, uh, tilt the seat back. Those, that one inch, oh, ready to go. Because you want it to be dark, right? You want it to be dark. Darkness puts people to sleep. Darkness puts people to sleep. The Bible talks about deep darkness. You get sleepy. What happens when you get sleepy? It's deep darkness. You shut your eyes. You relax. You recline. You lay down. You drift off. I want you to know that as Christians, we got to resist that. Resist that. Delilah put Samson to sleep. Boy, she's an example, a personification of the activity of Satan that loves to lull us into a false sense of security and put us to sleep. Listen to what it says in Romans 13, verses 11 to 14. Do we have that? I know they, they were supposed to add that. Romans 11, 13 to 14. It says, the night is, that it, 11 to 14. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to what? Awake. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day, that, that's the coming of the Lord. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. 
Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your light has come. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Listen, when it comes to the flesh making no provision, I want you to know the activity of sin will be as prevalent in your life as you allow it and give it opportunity to be. That's what that means. Make no provision for it. In other words, shut that off. Shut that down. Don't think that. Don't go there. Don't embrace this. Don't think on that. Make no provision. Listen, sin will be as rampant and as active in your life as you allow it to be or make provision for it in your life. When darkness comes, deep darkness comes, it's a tendency for Christians to fall asleep. To begin to relax, not to pursue, not to put on the Lord, but to relax, recline, and shut the eyes. When deep darkness comes, it brings great deception. It tells us in the last days, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Imagine that. Unbelievers that refuse to come to the light, that say no to God, that constantly harden their heart, that shut their eyes and shut their ears. This is talking about judicial judgment where God literally sends them delusion that they should believe a lie because they love the lie and they close their eyes. You see, it's in response to their activity. You shut your eyes, you've shut your ears, therefore I'm sending you strong delusion by way of judgment. You love darkness, right? One final way thing. When, when darkness comes, darkness becomes celebrated. Boy, don't we see that in our culture? They celebrate wickedness and sin and lust and evil and promiscuity. Those things that we should be ashamed of. I mean, they are proud. The Bible says this is the condemnation. Men loved darkness rather than light. Those are the words of Jesus. Men love, you know, when there's deep darkness, people celebrate. This is awesome. I remember before I got saved, I loved the weekend when night came. That was the time to party. That was the time to do what you do under the, you end up, it's really interesting, you love the darkness, right? And, and one final passage of Scripture here, and then I'm shutting her down. Romans one thirty two, talking about celebrating wickedness, darkness, evil, sin, lust, promiscuity, and knowing the righteous judgment of God. It says in Romans one thirty two that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also, listen to this, approve of those who practice them. Knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do it, but approve those things. And who practice them? Yes, we celebrate you. That's just awesome. That's just great. That's just wonderful. Oh, you're making a moral judgment? Well, you're the evil one for making the moral judgment. I tell you, everything is upside down. 
It makes you feel, but listen, arise and shine for your light has come. Somebody say amen to that. Amen to that. Bow your heads in the presence of the Lord. Yes, there's darkness, there's deep darkness, we understand that. Warning, 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 but at the same time, the move of God, the grace of God, the light of God, the gospel being preached, people being saved, the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. God is moving, church. God is moving. It's now time to awake, to arise, to shine. To awake, to arise, to shine. With your heads bowed, if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Tim, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to get saved. I've heard this message and I realize that I'm far from God. The judgment of God is upon me. I'm not right with God. I'm not sure if I die, if I'll go to heaven. I'm not sure about my soul and its eternal condition. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Yes, I will. If you'd like me to pray with you to receive Christ, just raise your hand. Raise your hand, and I will pray with you. Lift your hand up.